Welcome to the Two Tokens Podcast. During these episodes, we will invite guests onto our show and discuss everything token related. You can expect to hear about token business models, the underlying technology stack, token governance, but also about mainstream topics such as NFTs. Does this sound interesting to you? Then make sure you subscribe and keep listening. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Two Tokens podcast about the Energy Token Project. My name is Dave Aarneveld. I'm the co-captain of this uh, project. The real captain is uh, Jos Reuling, by the way, but he isn't here any uh, of today. So I've got the honor to host this podcast. And um, today I'm here with uh, Kai Sievert, Managing Director from Real Code Energy Solutions or Real Code Energy. And uh, Michel Chatelain, a partner from uh, FZ Sutherland. Uh, welcome. Very glad uh, to have you both here. Before we start, obviously I would like to ask you if you're not subscribed yet please feel free to subscribe you will always be the first to know about any of these podcasts two tokens is hosting many podcasts in the next few days but also in the upcoming months so if you want to be the first to know about all the developments in the blockchain space and uh, do not forget to subscribe um, also i would like to give a brief introduction about what we're doing with the energy token project because i can imagine that a few listeners or also viewers if you're watching this on youtube may not know what we're doing but within the energy token project we are basically working together with a group of companies and uh, people would like to contribute about tokenizing the energy infrastructure. So we're uh, first of all tokenizing the assets uh, in phase one. The project is divided in two phases and in the second phase we're trying to tokenize the offtake. So with tokenizing the assets we are obviously democratizing the assets and making it more available for the broader public, for uh, people who would like to also contribute or invest in these uh, energy generating assets. Uh, and with tokenizing the offtake we create all yeah, kinds of new business models so to say. Yeah, we could do it, for example with kilowatt hour tokens you could yeah, spend them uh, in a way that would be yeah deemed uh, suitable for you for example uh, charging your car with your own uh, and paying with your own kilowatt hour tokens or netting maybe your uh, own electricity bill so with that way you can also democratize or uh, decentralize your energy production but that's obviously in phase two um, the first phase of the energy token project is coming to an end right now we are currently busy uh, busy finalizing the green paper uh, more or less uh, in which we uh, explain what we've been doing during the project what we've learned so far um, and also it lays a foundation for the second phase uh, in which we're going to tokenize the offtake um, the, fine, the, the, the nice thing about today is we're, we're having Kai Sievert uh, from Riddle Code here as well. And they, they are doing the same, the same kind of thing basically in, in Austria. You already created... That's correct, yeah. yeah, you already created an, uh, an energy uh, token. And uh, from, from that perspective, I'm very happy that you've joined the Two Tokens project as well because you can bring on some hands-on uh, experience. Uh, and on the other side, we've got uh, Michel. Uh, and I would love to hear much more about your background uh, in a few more minutes. But uh, yeah, you've got all the legal um, background that we need to get this project to the next phase because we can obviously think about all these nice technical solutions, but if it doesn't fit the legal framework, we obviously can't uh, create it. But uh, so both of you, welcome. Um, Thanks, Kai, yeah. Um, Kai, would you, would you like to tell me a bit more about your background what it is that you do, how you get up here, and what it is that Real Code is uh, doing uh, yes, at this absolutely. moment. Yes, glad to uh, glad to be here. Thanks for yeah. inviting me. Um, really looking forward to this to this session. So, um, well, I'm from a background a macroeconomist actually. So, um, um, I, I was, but I'm an I'm an energy native. If you want, um, so I started my career at OMB, 
Yeah, I was uh, working more than uh, one decade at OMV as a market analyst, a strategy developer, and also uh, as a digital uh, digitalization consultant. And um, I'm privately and, and professionally very much invested and interested in the, in the energy transition. So I was always focused uh, on the hurdles of energy transition because for my liking, everything was much too slow. Um, um, and yeah, it was it was at one of those meetups when I went out, you know, left my my my, my clean desk at OMV and then uh, where I met Riddle and Code, yeah. Tom Fürstner, and I was astonished about what he already could achieve in the you know creating machine identities in the digital realm. So basically, the the fundamental uh, um, stone of uh, or the fundament of machine transaction of, of of creating this transaction layer that I was kind of um, you know having ideas and dreams about, um, you know, enabling everyone to partake in the market, not only the, you know, the energy giants. Yeah. And um, that's where the, the journey took off. So we went through R&D projects together. Um, in the meantime, I moved um, to Wien Energie, um, the, the largest uh, regional energy supplier of Austria. And um, we went into, you know, early, early customer phases. We invented this energy wallet system which is now a core a component of the MyPower platform an energy tokenization platform which is based on a dual token system the asset token the kilowatt peak token if you wish and um, the utility token the kilowatt hour token uh, which i'm really happy maybe to get um, into more depth um, about this uh, today yeah. and that's where we stand actually so uh, we finalized the project at Energy um, with a um, Asset disaggregation um, model, which which I call it, it's a ah, yeah, based that's on a that's a nice way of putting it. A yeah. Absolutely, yeah, uh, because you can you can obviously go both ways. Uh, asset disaggregation, but you can also aggregate the asset. There will not be the wrong size for the wrong investor. So you always have the right size for the right investor with tokenization. Uh, and so we we made a citizen power plant uh, based off that. So we uh, tokenized the largest PV um, power plant of Austria and sold the tokens online. That's funny. So you call it the citizen power plant now? Yeah, citizen yeah. power plant, yeah. Uh, it's basically you're, you democratize the asset, but you call it disintegration and now the citizen power plant. Absolutely. Yeah. And also what we're just about finalizing is um, uh, on the utility token side, um, we are um, basically first time ever um, offering a real market peer-to-peer -peer energy sharing solution. I'm not talking about trading because it's still not legally really uh, uh, possible to do that peer-to-peer -peer, uh, in Austria. But uh, um, the, the basically the Renewable Energy Directive 2, which has been int uh, set into national law in Austria uh, by January this year, allows already for peer-to-peer -peer energy sharing and creating energy communities, renewable energy communities. And that's where we are at the moment. And uh, obviously, really um, happy about the developments um, in, you know, in, uh, in the European Union towards the further liberalization of the market, the integration of the end cons uh, uh, customers. Um, the, the role of the prosumers and um, I'm, I'm really, really positive on the next years and months uh, also working together with you on two tokens um, to create some, some nice applications, some relevant applications to bring this further. Yeah, yeah, it's a very nice way, uh, very nice introduction. I think you already mentioned a few hurdles eh, that need to be, uh, like the peer-to-peer the, the, the -peer, uh, trading. I mean, there are obviously many other hurdles as well. Uh, Michel, um, you're a partner at FCS Sutherland, uh, also one of the uh, yeah, uh, uh, companies that, that joins this, this, this two-talk of this energy project uh, from a legal side, because this, this touches upon so many different legal aspects as well. We've had uh, various discussions. Um, would you mind introducing yourself also a bit and what's, what's your background and how did you get up here? Because this is quite an innovative space to be in and 
Yeah, I mean, I like lawyers from a certain perspective, but this is, this is not something that you, you, that you normally expect. No, yeah, 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 yeah. no I, I totally understand uh, you're coming from and all the bias that there is towards lawyers. So thank you for having me, first of all. Um, uh, I'm an energy lawyer by, by training and by background. Um, uh, already when I studied, I focused on the energy sector. And actually the trigger for that was uh, put it into actual development was the fact that uh, the Soviet Union just broken down and we had this issue of uh, uh, lacking of energy in the West and uh, lots of capital and knowledge here. And then in the form of Soviet Union, there was a lot of energy, but they were lacking capital and know-how. So then we had a former prime Dutch prime minister, Ruud Lubbers, who came up with this plan. He said, OK, let's, let's build a treaty and uh, make sure that the knowledge and the capital from the West will match the uh, energy resources in the East. That became the Energy Charter Treaty. And as a student, I organized a conference on it uh, because I thought it was a good solution for a problem that we had at that point in time. Um, uh, and then going forward, I always uh, focused on the energy sector. Uh, but when I started working as a lawyer in a law firm, uh, we have these uh, sector focus groups. Uh, and I joined the energy sector focus group, of course. Um, and at that stage, um, in the European Union, there was a situation that all energy production was centralized, right? You had vertically integrated companies, uh, production was centralized, particularly everything that went through the grid, so gas and electricity. I think for today we talk, we talk about mainly about electricity. Um, and then uh, at the initiative of the EU, we started liberalizing, liberal, liberalizing the markets. But what does that mean? That means that production and, uh, and trade... Uh, becomes free so everybody can have access to those markets but coming from a situation everything was centralized in one hand to a situation where we want to get to that it's open for everyone that's a long way so we had a whole wave or a couple of waves of uh, liberalization directives that came into place uh, in order to open up those markets and enable access to all kinds of new players to the energy markets so within that field or that's that playing ground actually I operate as a lawyer. So what do I do as a lawyer? We, In the beginning, it was a lot about uh, having access to those uh, monopolized uh, electricity grids and, and gas grids um, and, and training uh, the, the people in the, in the market that, um, about market-based asset prices. Uh, but then later on, uh, because as a person, I, I'm attracted to innovation and uh, innovative things. And also in law, you have innovations. Uh, and of course, you have societal issues. And then the question is, how do we adapt law to it? Uh, yeah. Law, most of the time, goes behind yeah, what yeah. happens in society. So how do we regulate things? Or how do we apply, apply certain legal concepts to new uh, business models, so to say? Um, so... I think around the uh, year 2000, I think I got into renewable energy, uh, which was the beginning of what I would call my energy uh, transition practice, because at the moment I'm almost 100% active in energy transition projects. But in 2000, it all started with uh, the, 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 the question, how can we bring costs for solar electricity down? And I never forget, I think it was Greenpeace who came up with a project and said, well, can we just uh, build this, uh, an enormous power uh, production plant in Europe and then produce a lot of solar panels and bring the prices down? Is that feasible from a legal point of view uh, and, and from a financial point of view? So I, 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 and that report, I was working on the, on the um, uh, legal aspects. From then onwards, I think my practice more and more became focused on energy uh, transition. 
Um, and if I focus on solar now for the moment, um, it's, it, it's all about this development that from a centralized energy production situation, we go to a completely decentralized energy uh, production situation, so to say. That, and, and decentralized means that all the consumers of electricity, be it companies or individual um, uh, consumers or private households, uh, can and will become more and more energy producers themselves, which means that they will need and uh, get access to those electricity markets, which are heavily regulated. So what I've been doing for the last uh, 10 or 15 years is, uh, first of all, try to make people aware of the complexities of the electricity markets and the energy markets and what they are facing. If they say, okay, I want to, buy, I want to produce some electricity myself, that sounds like a good idea because, uh, I don't know, I, I think that fits within the, the time scale. What are they... What are they faced with? Uh, I mean, how complex the regulation is. Unfortunately, it's it's still quite quite complex. Um, and then uh, help to construct those projects to make it possible. So from the, uh, and, and then I, I'll, I'll just pause for a moment. But but I think uh, from what I've been doing in the last couple of years as well is to look at the movement from the bottom up. So it's basically democratizing ownership of energy assets but also uh, democratizing production of, of, of energy that was very much also a movement from societies coming up, uh, uh, the, the cooperation of energy cooperatives, uh, people getting together, so how can we organize ourselves that we organize electricity production ourselves with solar panels most of the time, how can we uh, co-own a, a wind farm and then become active on those electricity markets ourselves. Um, that movement particularly I think in the Netherlands, but also in the, in Germany and Austria is, is, is quite strong. Um, and it, it leads to a need to, I think, new business models, but also it, uh, it confronts us immediately with uh, regulatory uh, objections in order to make those things possible. And then one of the things we still have that we, uh, if we look at liberalization of the electricity markets, the final stage is where we are in right now is to give full access to individual small consumers to those electricity and energy markets uh, without any uh, legal hurdles and make peer-to-peer -peer exchange uh, possible through the existing electricity grids. And we'll come to speak about that in more detail. But um, So that's why I'm really excited to uh, be involved in this project because for me, uh, from an, as an energy regulatory lawyer, uh, one of the big issues is how are we going to realize this dem democratized ownership of, e of energy assets and peer-to-peer -peer exchanges. Uh, technology uh, is absolutely key, I think, in order to make that happen. And um, let's say traditionally, and I don't hope that people from the energy sector will be too offended, but I think the, the uh, electricity sector is a bit traditional and old-fashioned compared to the digital sectors, where uh, uh, particularly telecoms. I think we yeah. need to have a convergence of, of, of uh, telecom and, and uh, energy sectors in order to, to get where we want to, to, to be at the end. Um, but that will take some time. So this project, I think it's, it's a beautiful example of how those two worlds and I hope that I can play a little contribution in realizing that. Yeah, it's it's a nice way of how you how you put it. Like first we the, the markets became more liberal and now we see that the markets are becoming more decentralized. But what what I find interesting is you mentioned that law often follows um, a shift in uh, in society or, or, or other areas. Uh, but in this specific space it's heavily regulated. So 
you can't really take initiative from a legal side uh, without stepping on a few uh, red lines. Because I, I often think that the, 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 the technical part, that's not really the challenge. I mean, Riddle & Code already showed that, and, and uh, we've, we've been doing it in the, to an energy token project as well, you can, we can create wallets, we can create tokens, we can create crypto anchors, uh, we can put all these things together. But in order to, to also make it legally compliant and also to foster that, that peer-to-peer trading, there, there needs to be some, some, some innovation on the, on the legal side, I often think. What's, what's, what's your view on that? How, what's, what are the hurdles that you currently see within, for example, Austria or Germany or maybe even wider because basically we're in the EU? Yeah, I think we definitely need to distinguish between um, the investment side and then the marketing side. Uh, what we call in energy, what we call marketing, is basically the process of selling the good that has been produced by the power plant, right? Um, and on the investment side, obviously, um, the biggest hurdle, I think, still being in the European Union, I'm not talking about wider region, is um, the, discrepan- uh, the dis- discrepancy between different EU member states uh, in terms of, you know, how can you crowdfund a, a, a project, for example? So there are different legislations, uh, which makes it hard to make this one European Union crowdfunding platform for, yeah. for energy, right? So this is this is still a problem. I think there are, similarly to the um, energy di- uh, um, focused directives, there are uh, directives out there for financial ma- uh, financial le- legislation, which are not fully set into, into national law. Um, um, you know, we are we are we are discussing several projects in in, in neighboring countries of Austria, Italy, uh, Germany, and so on and so forth. And it, it's 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 that's tough, right? It's really really tough. And and very often, um, you know, um, it is nece- it's necessary in my product development team to have actually a, a legal advisor, ideally within the product development team, right? So it's on the one hand side, this is the investment side. I think on the marketing side, it's even more tough. Um, with marketing, you marketing, mean the, the the sales, the uh, yeah, uh, the, 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 s- the selling of the product exactly, um, because um, you know um, obviously um, there is a big factor that makes the energy market so fundamentally different from any other end product market. For example, selling TVs, huh? and that's the uh, security of supply um, and target. You need to be one hundred percent certain that electricity and energy can be delivered to the to the customer unless uh, otherwise you know it's very very dangerous um, um, you know for example if a hospital or whatever has no electricity you know people might die even so this is always carved into legislation as well this is 100% security of supply target uh, which is good yeah? which which should be also the um, the target of every human being uh, in 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 European Union at the same time obviously it, it can be um, cumbersome for, for, for driving innovation, yeah? Because um, um, it is, it is um, how, how to say it, it's always easier to stick to the old structures of how to run a market, how to run an electricity grid um, versus maybe opening up to more market-oriented, um, you know, um, um, opportunities to, to, to balance a grid, for example, right? And I'm talking especially uh, about... Um, Making um, electricity grid more intelligent, and 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 at the moment, obviously, um, yeah, I, I see that there is not the biggest motivation of the grid operators really to join in the, the innovation game. Yeah, yeah. and um, we at, at Drill and Code Energy, we are very much focused on 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 
on on giving them also the opportunity or, or explaining to them you know what's in what's in in the game for them by you know just also giving them digital transaction interfaces uh, on different energy assets not only control and monitoring because you know they are building sensoric uh, sensors and and monitoring system and all these things but what's what is often forgotten is the, the 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 transaction interface at the end of the day and if you want to stick to a liberal market in the european union yeah i think it's necessary that um we um enable these market mechanisms even on the medium and low voltage level uh, similarly to we have in a on high voltage level but therefore you need i think different infrastructure for making transactions that's where we focus on machine wallets on machine infrastructure and and here i'd say there are some players who are more comfortable of getting in touch with this topic and 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 and, and you know building up knowledge but it's only a handful and 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 i think here is one of the biggest efforts that we all as a group also have to take to convince um this side to inform the side that it's actually um advantage advantageous yeah, yeah. Uh, for security of supply if you know you have uh, a solid market me mechanisms for these millions of um energy market participants that you have in a distributed grid in a distributed energy market in a, in a decentrally organized uh, energy market yeah, yeah yeah how how do you feel that um I think, uh, I mean, of course, it's relevant to look at what problems are we trying to solve, right? I mean, I mean uh, the first uh, problem that we are trying to solve, I think, is the democratization of the ownership of uh, energy assets. Uh, yeah. which, uh, I think there's a very important distinction, the assets and the offtake. And the offtake. Yeah. And then the third element, I think, that, I mean, the offtake is the peer-to-peer -peer element. And then the third thing, if you, you mentioned grid uh, briefly, is the, the big issue that we have, of course, in the electricity grids is the uh, capacity of the grids with the in increasing demand for uh, transport capacity, which leads to congestion uh, in more and more. Uh, how, can we, uh, how can we solve that um, with this new um, technology or with this, with this new, new innovations? I think democratization of assets. I mean, that's the one uh, that's not that's too the easiest. To, that's I think, the easiest, yeah. actually, to to uh, understand. Uh, I mean, the problem itself is is um, uh, explainable in in the sense how the energy markets evolved. Uh, I mean, access to uh, investment opportunities in in energy assets, be it oil and gas or nuclear or, or renewable, is uh, is is difficult. I mean, you have to be uh, in that game. You have to know the people. You have to be on the locations. You have to know how it all works in order to be able. To, or you ha and you need to normally bring a lot of money in order to be able to participate in those investments. So by uh, uh, democrat dem democratization or or uh, creating the possibility for fractional ownership, which is uh, an easy thing to do if you if you tokenize it you open up uh, those assets to a, a whole new world of liquidity providers being uh, being small investors basically um and this this the second part and, and in terms of regulation i mean that's where we uh, uh i mean are there legal issues or or pro or uh, barriers in order to achieve that i mean if you talk about creating those structures um, I think in itself there are legal uh, frameworks in order to enable it. But to give you an example, I mean, if we want to have, and that's also how it's being sold, right? Uh, it's being sold by a solar panel in the farm well, located there, or the by, a, in the detail. Yeah, by yeah. a part in a in a wind farm. 
well, do I then really own, legally own a solar panel or or, or a blade of a wind farm or yeah. is it a indirect ownership? And the use right? I own a share yeah. in a structure, which we call an SPV, that owns that asset and then it's fair. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. But that's, that's uh, so the, uh, because individual ownership of a solar panel, for instance, uh, that creates some legal uh, yeah. uh, issues, Turtles. which I won't uh, talk about now in, in detail, uh, unless you think it's interesting. Um, but, um, uh, so we have this industry structure. So that's, that's so I don't think there are any uh, uh, legal barriers in order to enable that. Peer-to-peer -peer exchange, so the kilowatt hours that we want to, to, to sell, uh, there we have, of course, uh, consumer protection uh, from the regulator's point of view. That means that if you supply electricity to a small consumer, you need a license, you need a permit, and you need to be uh, regulated and supervised by authorities in order because we want a security supply. You just mentioned it. It's one of the basis elements of our, of our energy system. You want to make sure that uh, energy is still a, a utility. Uh, it's an essential in our for our daily lives and for our economy so security supply is really important um, how does it work in practice for instance that if you are a supplier let's say you're a new entrant and you buy too small off takers electricity and you go bankrupt we have a mechanism in place that the regulator will appoint another party that will take over those customer group in order to continue the supply and that's 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 just a mechanism that's that's in the law uh, in order to uh, for security supply, so we have to enable this free peer-to-peer -peer exchange. I mean, that's the uh, second point. For for that, we need to create exemptions. I think of or safe havens for uh, structures where consumers decide to uh, trade directly amongst each other or to each other, and that they are prepared to perhaps uh, not to have that protection that the law gives them at this moment. Right? Yeah, go ahead. Like and then the third point, and then yeah. I just want to make the, the grid yeah. congestion, because I'm really interested what your what your idea is about it. It's the grid congestion issue, there I don't, uh, I you know, how we're going to, I mean, that means that you have to organize uh, production or demand in a way that when the grid is down and they say that it needs energy that you feed it in, and if there's an excess electricity, that you reduce your, your offtake. So, of course, if you have all the small consumers and we can connect them, which we can digitally, and then we make sure that at the same moment, you aggregate that demand or supply so it will be activated or it will be dis disactivated whenever it's appropriate. Yeah, that's, of course, at the moment, that's only being done by large uh, entities that are connected and they get, and they get paid for it. Eh? So if we tap that... A possibility yeah i think that's that's I, I would say it's the holy grail yeah <laughs> absolutely so i'm really um i really i really want to make the point for the fourth liberalization package if you want right yes. um because you know we are in the middle of a chicken and egg problem here right so if you want to flex flexibilize the demand side the consumption side which could help you um, massively with with grid, uh, grid congestion issues, right? Um, first of all, you need um, the market for everyone that can bid his, you know, his, his, his demand flexibly in, uh, into the market, especially uh, even smallest loads, right? On the other hand, you need the network size. So if nobody is joining, it makes no sense, right? But the network will only be created if there's fundamental value. So if it makes sense to join the, the network. That's why we started with an asset tokenization project because we can win many, many thousands of people with a one-to-n relation between one asset and, 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 and then thousands of customers uh, quickly and, and 
getting their perspective on renewable energy and um, the way this this business works and getting their entrepreneurial instinct as a as an end consumer about this uh, what the energy transition is about yeah and getting their interest because before it was just an anonymous topic you know electricity comes out of the plug it's yeah. it's, a, it's a topic of non interest yeah um, and and so this to create this network is a, is an is an issue but then at the same time we always stumble up on um, the problem of of existing legislation that is prohibiting further, um, how to say, peer-to-peer -peer energy trading. And one of the uh, concrete um, examples I want to give is the this um, one supplier rule that yeah. many, many uh, European member states face. You know, um, even if you are in an energy community uh, for the residual supply, you always you, you can only make a contract with one supplier, at least in Austria and, and several other uh, nations. So this is this is this is a big problem, right? Because these um, 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 basically, it's, it's not a market. Uh, you know, it's not. It's not. It's not um, supporting market-based mechanisms. Because at the end of the and at the end of the day, they always fall back to this to the supplier rule. Um, if this would be gone, if you could basically have, and I think we should have, and it's possible to technically to make this perfectly secure, to have more than one supplier at the same time. You know, um, then it would you you would see astonishing simplification of new participation models yeah for example you could make uh, s like a, a real standalone crowdfunding platform that um, allows to um, participate in any project in any renewable energy project in your region if you wish yeah in your um, let's say maybe in the in, in your pricing zone that you are uh, which is I think a, a nice and logic um, 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 framing of, of where you want to act and then you can receive the kilowatt hour tokens and, and deduct them from energy, uh, any energy bill of any supplier out there right? and, um, and get it delivered to your house yeah? if you and it's at the same point in time require energy because that's very important I don't want to get into any virtual more, more of these virtual schemes you know, I, yeah, want to, I, want to, I want to have um, like basically a match between uh, the point in time of production and the point in time of, of consumption. So it is it is indeed um, um, good for the grid and it, it, it is helping to you know to 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 manage congestion. And that's it's all coming back. You know that's just one example and there are several others. This uh, one supplier rule that you're only allowed to to be supplied by one supplier at a time. Yeah, you would almost think that that deviating from that one supplier rule would make it's just more reliable the whole the whole the whole grid the whole infrastructure it, i think what happens uh, what i understand for people from from the from the sector is that what we see what happens in the in, in ukraine for instance where yeah. remarkably uh, there's still a lot of electricity available um and the and the electricity grids in europe haven't destabilized so far although they're connected is that the distributed uh, energy production we have already Contributes contributes to a large extent for stabilizing the grids. So, the further uh, the further distributing energy production in a decentralized way will will um, enforce uh, stability of the grid by itself. Yeah, um, and then of course uh, it becomes unstable if you have uh, disbalances between demand and and supply on uh, localized situations. Uh, so for instance, we're sitting here in the, area, in the, in the neighborhood of, of Schiphol area and, then, and the Netherlands is, uh, 
very popular for data centers, uh, and they use a lot yeah, of energy. Yeah, yeah. So you have a, and, and I think Amsterdam is an internet hub, so everybody wants to be in the yeah. area of Amsterdam. But all those uh, players, they come into this market and they have a large energy demand, and then obviously the, the grid is uh, gets congested. Yeah. Right? Uh, so how are we, how are we going to, to solve that? But that's obviously, like you mentioned as well, the bigger the network, the bigger the community, the, the safer that is. Thing is, uh, what I find interesting, I think at this moment, uh, decentralizing energy supply. I think uh, with all the turmoil in the, that we see around, I think, yeah, although it may not be nice, it is, I think, the right moment to develop this further. I think now we see the importance of uh, of, of, of decentralizing energy and also, yeah, allowing citizens to participate directly in. Yeah, in, in in energy generating assets, so to say, um, from a, from before we need to because you know half an hour goes by so quickly and we already need to uh, to wrap up, but um, we already see like you you've done it in a small community basically with with green energy uh, as, as you mentioned earlier, uh, and I think from from my perspective I think the way to to grow this and to foster this innovation is to yeah start small within a small community and and, and grow it larger and larger. Um, what kind of opportunities or hurdles do you see uh, within the EU for standardization, for example? Do we? I, th I think that we need to go to some sort of uh, tokenization, uh, standardization model in order to foster these kind of communities so that if we, for example, would have another community yes. that would create the same token standards or the same standards that then later on these communities can connect as well. Um, how do you view these, um, yeah, these, these developments? Yeah. So, first of all, we need to realize that working with tokens is basically working on standards. I mean, a token is, is a container, it's a digital container, which uh, is made for, you know, squeezing in different kinds of, you know, data, whatever. It can be transaction data, production data, master data, moving data, whatever you have. Um, but then at the end of the day, it's a container that gives a certain framework and a standard for this. So, anybody in the network knows exactly on, uh, on in the first sight what's behind this token. What's, what, what standards does this token represent? So yes. working on tokens is working on standards, right? And um, I think this is, this is, this is now definitely some content for a very, very long discussion, but I tried to, 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 to get on the, on the most important things. Um, it would be already a big, big advantage to have um, a kilowatt-hour token that is accepted by um, off-takers and suppliers. Yeah. At the same time, in one nation, ideally across nations in the European Union, so the um, the, the the micro investor, the end consumer, he wants to hedge his own electricity production. He wants to become a prosumer only by participating in a renewable energy asset without being, you know, having access to an own roof or whatever. Um, to find more and more opportunities to 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 basically use these kilowatt kilowatt hour tokens yeah. and especially uh, keeping these kilowatt hours in the electricity system right not buying groceries at the supermarket as as we started off just yeah, to make yeah, yeah. the just to make the yeah. case right just to you know get some awareness but really keep it in the system um, and 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 obviously it's a that's a, a long and winding road, you know. It's it's about negotiating with other suppliers. You might, uh, obviously, I think on the private side, we need to we need to accept that we are the front runners of the regulation. The things that we create 
now, today, the contracts that we, sitting on this table, and maybe the partners in two tokens, they sign with, with, uh, you know, with, w uh, with each other in the coming months and years, and the token systems that we put at the center of these contracts might very well become um, the, the, the future industry standard. And we need yeah. to be aware of this. So it's about us. It's about us to show the world you know, how, it's, how, it's, how it can be done. And it obviously, it's, always a, it's a many to many problem. So um, working with blockchain, you need to think big, right? It's a global thing. You need to think at global and global systems. Um, and it's always about bringing together the minds and, and the perspectives of many, 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 many players. And, 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 and standardization is as simple and boring and, and as complicated as that, right? Yeah. Sitting together, discussing it through, you know, to, um, discovering the hurdles, finding together solutions, and then committing on this, uh, hopefully. So it's a... Well, that's, I think I think you basically summarized uh, one of the main purposes of the obviously the energy yes. the energy token project, and that's also yeah. why I'm very happy to have this multi uh, yeah, multi dimensional team, so to say. And also maybe to to wrap it up, what's what's your view on on, on standardization? How we how, what's the best way of achieving that? From a legal side, the quickest way, just in one <laughs> one brief minute. <laughs> I know a it's a dangerous very question to I ask know, a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all understand it. <laughs> now, I um, well, what comes to mind first of all is that we have an existing framework, right, which we can yeah. apply. Um, and I think what we don't have, and the question is how to deal with it, is uh, the tokenization as uh, as such, uh, and, and how to deal, how to treat tokens. Is are these security, but to be dealt with from financial yeah. regulation? I didn't speak about financial regulation, but of course that's a very important part if you talk about uh, attracting investments and, and trading. Let's say uh, securities, uh, if I say the word, or tokens, the, whether it should be um, uh, called by these financial regulations. Uh, but but the token, like we have in the time, we have this 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 law where tokens are uh, created, you know, seen as a new legal concept, basically. Or are we going to apply the existing new concepts to it? So that's a way of standardization. Yeah. I think electricity. For my my first response, electricity as such is a homogeneous good. Uh, we are able to trade it. Um, uh, I think you can. I wouldn't be too worried about standardization at the moment. Uh, what is important, of course, is that those, if it's tokenized, that it's uh, accepted. And that's, but I yeah. think that there's no, I don't see a legal impediment, impediments uh, so far. I mean, we can agree well, I, I with all the suppliers that we want to accept one or 10 or 100 different types of tokens if they have a certain characteristic so that we know the amount of electricity, where it's generated, uh, et cetera, et cetera, so that, it's, that you have sufficient information. But then we could have numerous type of tokens that fulfill this, that that set of information. But that's perhaps the standardization that you talk about, and what the information yeah. is necessary in order to make a transaction possible. Yeah, and also it's mostly from the technical side. And also, I mean, we haven't even touched upon scoring the various assets because uh, one solar panel is not the other solar panel. Also, in a, in a tra in market where you would be uh, trading the assets. Uh, how can you compare them to each other? I mean, it's such a it's such a big topic, and I already see that we can talk about this for easily another hour. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, we have to wrap it up. Um, I want to thank you both for your time and your information. Uh, to the viewers and listeners, uh, we will host many more podcasts about this as well, as the Energy Token Project is now... Uh, well, almost about to finish phase one and we are going to in uh, towards phase two we will host more podcasts uh, if you want to learn more about the energy token project please feel free to go to two tokens 
Org. Uh, you will find more about the energy token project and also don't forget to subscribe to this channel as you will see all the other podcasts in the future there as well kai michel thank you very much for your time and uh, we're going to enjoy hey, it was a pleasure yeah it's, it's a going pleasure. to do a nice day yeah we've got a round table michel, session very nice to meet you too. <laughs> nice to meet you yeah this, this is also the nice thing eh? so we've met a few times in yeah uh, over yeah over the internet during calls and now uh, finally we get face to face so it's so nice indeed yeah, yeah. it's so nice indeed uh, to you know to speak with like-minded people without uh, facing the risk of, of, you know, similar to my family uh, caterings, you know, uh, where people fall into sleep when I start talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice, so please, exactly. to be continued. <laughs> okay. This is going to be our day. So thanks again uh, for your time and for the viewers and listeners. Till next time. Bye. That was it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening in and please subscribe so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find our contact details at www.2tokens.org.